We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instinct Heart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. And welcome to Light Years. We are recording this Sunday, April 18th, around 10, 11 in the morning. Sam, I had to watch it at like 1 a.m. just because I didn't get it live. But uh, <laughs> but we'll, we'll get into it with special guest Ethan Strauss. Uh, before we get into that, you guys make sure um, if you are subscribed to this podcast or if you're not, make sure to subscribe, leave a review, rate five stars um, and do do all that fun stuff. We also have a light years premium um, that you can subscribe to as well. A uh, dollar for 99 cents, actually, for the first month, uh, five dollars after that. I believe the last podcast we had, we had a little uh trip down memory lane sam with uh with warriors world and j ram so you guys check that out light ears podcast uh recording this sunday 11 10 a.m april 18th uh after a fun but disappointing Warriors Celtics game I feel like that's the uh the best way to describe this season fun but disappointing the 2021 Golden State Warriors we got a special guest today uh Ethan Strauss Ethan how you doing man I just took a sip of coffee when you asked me that question so I'm a little delayed we're all Um, ready to go we're all ready to go I was looking for some sort of portmanteau of fun and disappointing but I was struggling to come up with one that really works well uh but that is the case it is a high engagement season adding up to i don't know sound and fury uh signifying nothing whatever the quote might be that's such a great way to put it highly engaged just i've never had warriors fans this angry but it's almost kind of a good thing if you're covering the team because you never have more passionate fans just yelling about nothing all day long yeah yeah i think slater has been a tremendous air traffic controller 
uh, for this particular season. And we appreciate it at the athletic. I'm sure you guys appreciate it. The fans are in, even if everybody knows it's not exactly leading to a championship run. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I was just thinking about this. This is like the first time in my lifetime, the warriors have had a generational player and uh, a nothing burger of a season. Mm-hmm. Like they're do- it's like the, um, whatever you think of these players, it's like Kobe in the mid OOs or like mm. any of those like Iverson Sixer teams where it was just like, they had one guy and a bunch of whatever's going on. And you can, you can go through history. There's a lot of teams like it. Kobe, Kobe in the mid OOs was, I think a unique moment in NBA history and NBA fandom. And I don't think it's, it, it, it's really remembered how odd it was. I went down there to watch Lakers Warriors during that run of Kobe's consecutive 40 point games. Uh, coincidentally, there was a porn convention happening simultaneous with the game on the same premises because I think the uh, convention center is right, uh, you know, is right next to the stadium. So it was weird LA stuff all the way around. But what I distinctly remember is that whenever another Laker shot, the fans would boo. Even if the shot went in, that to me was so strange because what had happened is that the Lakers were defined by ultimate success. But then after Shaq left, they needed a new reason to puff their chests out. And it became all about Kobe scoring points. That became the golden calf for that particular era. And I think it served them well. It was a nice little bridge until they got championship relevant again. But I had never seen a fan base so involved in the individual accolades specifically for scoring of one particular player. I thought that was different and I'd never seen it happen before. I mean, that just makes me wonder how this season would feel if we had fans in the stadium, like a lot of what's going on with the warriors is we're taking our cues from what we see online or what comments you get and everything, but we don't get the feel of in the arena. You don't get to hear the noise of how fans feel. Um, are they, would they be exhilarated the way like OKC fans were with Westbrook? Would they be just disgusted that it's Steph and Draymond who can't make a layup and Bazemore who can't make free throws? And I don't, I don't really know how you Kelly want to Oubre. Like you've got, you've got a, you've got a battalion of just guys that people can get angry at. Brad Wanamaker was that guy. Like, I, I think you can argue whether these guys should be slandered or whatever. Right. But it's, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah, I don't want to uh, hijack your show, guys, but I do think that one of Sam's hotter takes was that it it was the defense of Kelly Oubre, you know, (sighs) to be so committed to the criticism of Kerr that it turns into a defense of Oubre. I mean, ah, let me uh, let me let me uh, (laughs) let me explain that one. My my comment is not that Kelly Oubre is a difference maker in the sense of he's going to take the team to another level. It's that he's just another, they just don't have enough bodies. They're better when he's in the rotation than when he's not. Am I saying I want to pay 20 million for him next year? Of course not. I don't even know if he's worth his current contract, to be honest, you know, like I, he's one of those weird players where you're like, there's usefulness to the fact that you have the ideal physical profile of a wing And, you know, when he's playing well, he can be disruptive. He can score efficiently in transition, that sort of stuff. But like, you know, he he also has uh, the downside, such as never passing the ball or not really being able to hit open shots with any sort of consistency that, it you know, I don't know what you do with him. I think the bigger thing is 
why didn't they trade him? Because it seems to me they just want to let him walk and just kind mm. of save money in that That's capacity. Wild. That's wild. But but to me, it's you know, it it just comes down to like he's he's another wing they can play. Like I don't think he's seven times better than Bazemore, which is the contract difference, but he's seven times better than Nico Mannion. Well, I, I experienced Sam's, uh, sensitive as I am, I experienced Sam's uh, tweets as a little bit of a shot because it seemed to be in reaction to a Warriors plus minus conversation. Maybe I didn't even hear it. So. We, we do love, we do love. <laughs> you <football>. liar. Everybody <laughs> listens to Warriors plus minus. They all know. They all know. Well, this is the problem with Twitter. This happens to me all the time or used to. I don't really tweet anymore, but I, I would say something and somebody would receive it as about them. And it wasn't about them, but now you have to put out that fire. You've got to assure them that it's not about them. And you still think that deep down they suspect you're lying and it was really about them. Uh, no, just to, uh, just to, just to clarify that, like, I can, I'm not going to start listing all the like ads, but like the, the Warriors Twitter fans I follow who every day are talking about the Warriors online are, we're just in a, thank God Ubre is not playing better mm-hmm. without him. And I'm like, guys, this this isn't a situation where like he's eating up minutes that, you know, Andre Godala can take. Who's a better, but it, it's aesthetically better though. I mean, they well, moved all around. might be Andre Godala, you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, didn't Mark Jackson call him a, an excellent NBA player, I believe, which, Hey, maybe I, Hey, I, I, mean, I enjoy, yeah. I enjoy him. I, I enjoy his work. I don't think he's going to be Andre, but um, look, you're right. They don't have enough bodies. Uh, they would benefit from having Kelly Oubre to call into yeah. action whenever, but it just seems to be this awkward fit where he wants more shots and wants more minutes and gets more minutes because of the political situation of how much capital they have spent on him uh, then is helpful for the team. So that's the dynamic. It's not just purely about him. It's also about how he's used. It's also about how he wants to be used. He doesn't seem to really want to be um, in the supplementary role. He has said as much. So that's, that's really what the awkward fit is. And I just, I just on an aesthetic level, I prefer it when he is not there stopping the ball, driving, not finding somebody, but maybe at this point, he is more useful to them now that Wiseman's out because that was really the aesthetic problem was right. how they were playing when both those guys were in and those guys would make a pass every 10 games, basically. Yeah, combined one assist per three games. I, I the guess then why is he on the team? You know, then, then, that, then that becomes a thing. It's like if they've been shopping him for weeks before the trade deadline, then why is he on the team? Maybe well, a if, dearth if, of takers, you know, maybe you I can't think- get anything. I guess if you think you're better, any taker him, would be. Yeah, if you think you might as well, you, know? you might as well take that Dinwiddie offer and hope you can. Or Danny him. Green, or <laughs> if they leaked the Danny Green, whoever leaked the Danny Green, doesn't matter. But I'm, like, I'm, I'm not just, buying. I'm not buying that Daryl Morey was willing to trade the prototypical three and D wing for no. Kelly. <laughs> that <laughs> sounds more like right? I'll take him if you give me the Wolves pick type of yeah. thing. That's um, I want to. I want to say one last Ubre thing. Who I didn't really want to say. No, I just. I'm curious. Why is he on the team then? Why? Why is he like? Why? He why play, is he on the team? He did play why? his best basketball when Wiseman and Looney were out, and they played small ball. No, so no, no. Well, why, why? But why? Yeah. If if he's not, if he wants to play and he shouldn't be playing, why is he on the team? And in they're and they're only playing him because he they paid this much money for him, right? And they know that they're better without him. I just I don't understand that. Yeah, I, I think I look at it more. I look at it more towards the future than about this season. Um, this season, as we have said, they are not winning a championship. 
I just don't see him fitting on next season's team. And with Clay coming back, Clay, who's a bit of a, in a good way, a bit of a chucker. Uh, I, I don't. Yeah, but when he I chucks, just, it goes in. So it goes in. <laughs> it goes in. I don't see. I just don't see that fit. I don't see that fit of trying to get these guys who all want to eat. You're talking yeah. about Wiseman. Oh, uh, I agree with Clay. It, yeah. it it just does not. It doesn't really compute. I will give them the credit for trying it. it there was a theory of the case, right? Uh, we bring this guy in. The Suns, they don't do a great job with guys. Uh, the Wizards, they don't do a great job with guys. Maybe we turn him into an all-star. Maybe we show him the light of how passing and sharing his carrot is good. Didn't really happen. You know, there was enough of a test run for it. Maybe he flourishes elsewhere, but I just do not see the long-term fit here. And that's kind of my... Um... Because I, I agree with both of you. I don't think he's a long-term fit for this team. You could talk me into him having a role if you if he was like the only guy on the roster who was doing that. Like there's always a place for a guy who can come in and just kind of like change the tone with aggressiveness in one capacity or another. The problem is they have like six of those guys mm. right now. Like yeah. Wiseman's kind of that way. Obviously, uh, you know, he's a rookie, so it's different. Yeah. He's more in some level. You're right. I, why they do have a like a bit Even of a Wiggins. scrappy they got a bit of a scrappy team right now they're a little yeah. scrappy a little scrappy this team even they, they wiggins are. i mean he tries to pass here and there but i wouldn't exactly call him someone who's looking to move the ball first <laughs> you know like it's i think it's more of a like they 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 overcorrected in the opposite way of what they had well, last year i i feel like they they try to make it work with Delo, which i was like oh, i'm all for this move and then they realized that this is awful got rid of his ass in the midseason and then that's why i almost like kind of don't blame Ubre as much most of my kind of stuff has been like well it's you can just see he's not a good fit he's not smart enough so you either kind of change the way you play sort of for him or you just get rid of the guy like you did with Delo. i just i just they why, did win the Delo trade at least i mean they did they win did. that trade I think that the, the results are in. That trade's a win. <laughs> Flat out. Honestly, even without the pick. Even without call, the pick, you right? You could probably call it yeah. a win. You're, you're swapping contracts, and one of the players is Crazy. more productive than the other. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, and we felt like they should have gotten another pick. That's at mm. the time I was like, it'd be nice if they. It felt like they could have gotten another pick, and obviously or, it didn't, but or they might have or unprotected, which always sounds dirty. Uh, you go uh, draft <laughs> unprotected. I guess it'll happen. I guess, uh, I guess my only thing with Ubre is, like you said, if you don't think he's a part for next year, and we all acknowledge this year is kind of, it is what it is. You know, Clay goes down, any ambitions of doing anything relevant go out the window. Um, just why wasn't he moved then? Because everything should be towards an eye towards next year. I actually have this on the rundown, but it's like, they need to bring in like four or five different players in some capacity for next maybe, year. Like they should start kind of moving in that direction. Right. Uh, maybe. I mean, Joe loves big wings. I know that much. Uh, I'm just speculating now. Now I'm just picturing him almost going into madness as the warriors uh, are no longer into contention. He's in an empty chase arena in one of those luxury suites. Maybe it's the Salesforce suite and uh, trash is piling up. Uh, in the Salesforce suite, and it's like a Citizen Kane situation. He's like, yes, blowing kisses at the crowd. I love it. Call him Bobby. Can't do it. Can't trade him. Can't do it. Would you? <laughs> I don't know. Hey, let me ask you this. Would you feel better about Ubre having a role on this team, assuming it you know, was at a palatable contract figure? If they were to move Wiggins, let's say they decide yeah, to, to yeah. move Wiggins and the Wolves pick for it's something substantial. I don't really even know what those two get you. 
I mean, apparently they get you, apparently they get you D'Angelo Russell, but (laughs) if if, if you get some more shooting, if you get some more shooting and and playmaking um, and you don't have the redundancy of a Wiggins and and an Uber. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I could, I could be talked into it, but part of me is a little old timey. Part of me is a little Steve Kerr. Um, Ironic since I think Steve Kerr has actually given Ubre a, a lot of opportunity, but Great. I look at Ubre and I go, yeah, this isn't the right way to play basketball. Yeah. I don't, I don't really love this. I don't love this on my hypothetical imaginary general manager team. This isn't the way forward and it offends my sensibilities more than say Wiggins. And that's just my, that's my visceral reaction to the whole thing. Do you think maybe it changes if he gets a long-term extension and he's not, you know, just viewing dollars and cents with every shot he takes? It might. I mean, we've never known less about these guys from a media perspective because uh, you do get a sense of things just from being in the locker room and also just talking not just to the guys themselves, but off record dudes will be pretty honest about, uh, you know, about that's what was so funny uh, to bring it back to that internet controversy from, from a few weeks ago when Nate Duncan um, tweeted that, uh, Anthony Edwards, I guess the stat line, the poor stat oh, line for oh, that game, one for seven or something. When he like had that, that, when he had that big dunk, the reason I was chuckling to myself as I watched uh, all these people in NBA Twitter uh, assail Nate for how dare he ruin this kid's moment. Ironically, then I keep saying ironically, but then signal boosting the ruining of it, making it more likely that Anthony Edwards would know about it. But what I thought was so funny about that was if you were in an NBA locker room. Uh, and you have an honest rapport with the players, uh, they would be saying similar stuff to what Nate said in that tweet. They would go, yeah, great dunk. You guys talk a lot about it. You couldn't hit a shot all game, but you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like NBA players are so sensitive to the amount of praise one of their teammates is getting, especially in a bad situation. And so it was so funny to me. It's not like in the real world, at the NBA level with frank conversations in that locker room that the players would be going gee whiz he's a young kid that makes me so mad somebody made a you know tweet about how he played bad i just love the wolves and i, I mean, just we want could, nothing bad ever to be said about any of my teammates we could we could do a full podcast on like NBA Twitter going farther and far away from like the general <laughs> reality of sports fans like sports fans <laughs> Sports fans care about who wins and loses. NBA Twitter just wants to praise everyone and be friends. Like, yeah. <laughs> what are we doing here? You know, like it's everyone gets a trophy. There is something to it. I mean, let's let's be real. It's not crazy. This is a new dynamic where you are a little bit. I changed my tone on a lot of things because when I was starting starting out as a quasi media member, as a blogger at Warriors World, I would just tweet whatever about how the players were playing. And then one day I realized that they could actually see that and <laughs> get mad about it. Um, and I, 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 that, that does change the, the dynamic. I think in the past you would just speak and have no reaction. And maybe there's a little bit of cowardice that you don't want the blowback from the players themselves. But I think there is maybe an understandable feeling of, Hey, I don't want to make this guy feel bad. Uh, you know, Harrison I just Barnes wanted to talk. Feel bad. Harrison Barnes didn't feel, didn't feel or it's bad. just like, oh, yeah, it's, Harrison it's... did not feel great. <laughs> David Lee did not feel great. <laughs> I was going to say we, we had a, uh, we had a bit of a, uh, um, like a poll of like, if someone were to report on the disconnect between Kerr and the Lakers in the, in the front office, who would be the, the first person to report that a lot of people did say your name, Ethan. A lot of people threw that's that out in, there. Yeah. That's interesting. Your thoughts. That's a, 
Uh, it's a very interesting poll. <laughs> <laughs> interesting article, maybe. Yeah, it's an interesting poll. It's uh, it's very, very, very interesting. I'm, I I'm honored that anybody would think of me in any any sort of reporting context. That's well, I, I, I think people that. are thinking like if there's one person to kind of throw it out there, not want to and not be scared of pissing people off. It and it, it maybe it maybe you. Mm. There's a history, you know. Sp- scared of, of the pissing people off. I I I'm scared of pissing people off. I wish that I had the attitude of <laughs> I don't care at all, but I do it anyway. Like that's what I do. I, I I'm on the diving board. I look down at the water. I, I don't look it down at the water and think, oh, what a nice day. I'm just going to hop off. I, I go oh, a little bit scared and I just do it. That's that's what I, that's what I do. That's how I handle things. It is always kind of funny the first time you realize your tweets are not you talking to your buddies in a sports bar, though. That's like always the thing. It's like you're you're very aware of the fact that this is public. But as you're doing it, you're just talking as if it's yeah. like me and Andy BSing about a game. And then, and then someone direct messages you who <laughs> you didn't want to see it. And then you're like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Well, oh, this is awkward. This yeah. is, but, the, but I don't think Andy's changed his tweets uh, at all. Uh, there is no, no, he's gone the opposite way. Actually it's, he's, he's, he's leaned in harder into yes. it. You, you either have to pull all the way back or go into overdrive. You can't the live in the middle. Inside voice. Nope. The inside voice is merged with the outside voice and become the singularity. And I think that's why he's uh, one, <laughs> he's uh, he's one of the uh, most compelling tweeters in NBA Twitter for that reason. You're not going to get that from anybody else. You know, if you know somebody's looking at it, you might as well say, well, I might just tweet directly to that person. <laughs> I, might, I might as well do that all season long and uh, and see what happens. Yeah, it's uh it's it's also it's just strange. It's a strange period of time in sports where we are so disconnected and only talking to each other through the internet. All these Zoom sessions that they do the uh, the press conferences on, it's it's just so digital. I do miss I do miss physical locations where things would happen. Uh, that is something that I that I miss and hopefully we can get back to. I mean, reading body language is a thing that you can't really do on Zoom. So, it's it's just kind of like you you can notice if someone is uh, a little bit maybe more know, upset that they're Ste- letting I, on. I know when Steph's pissed because he does little laughs uh, between between his words. He does that little. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> yeah. But you've yeah, been in uh, scrums <laughs> with him for a decade, so you can yeah. you can translate it to Zoom. But if yeah, it's and, uh, if it's maybe tra- like Jordan Poole, who you haven't <laughs> spent as much time with, no. do you really know the idiosyncrasies and like no. the little tendencies? Nope. Nope. Uh, well, a little bit. I got a little sense of pool. Uh, pool has got some cockiness to him, uh, which good. I think it's yeah, yeah. For a score, that's that's good. Um, I remember. <laughs> I remember. I mean, pool. This is a memory of mine, and I don't think it factors at all into uh, Tim's reporting. But I remember pool nearly bumping into Kawakami as he was walking to his locker and then kind of muttering angrily at, at, at Tim. And I'm just looking like, dude, do you know this guy's like the most prominent media member in the, <laughs> the area and you're in the G league? I mean, this is okay, but he has played his way, I think into the rotation and been at least one of the players I enjoy watching the most. Um, I'm always interested in pools minutes when he's in there and very much so in what is he going to be? Is he going to be rotation player? Is he going to be something more than that? Um, but yeah, I've got a sense of the pool personality, but somebody like Ubre, I've never met Ubre in my life. Right. That's probably a better example. Someone who literally came to the team during the pandemic. So yeah. Brad Wanamaker came and went, never met him. 
they had a whole warriors whole warriors run gonna have to bring him back that's the yeah only solution. i was gonna say somewhat somewhat of a somewhat of a, a warriors uh run maybe we could talk maybe sam where, where are we going steph we could talk yeah, let's do it let's bit. do like steph for a little bit here that was gonna be the uh we're burying the lead here steph mm. had uh you know 10 straight games of over 30 points jeez he's now yeah. averaging 31 points per game on the season he basically identical to his unanimous mvp year and just from a statistical individual output point, I think it's just, I think it's tying people in a knot because mm. they're having a hard time understanding how this player can be as good as that player. Mm-hmm. And one of them was the single greatest regular season of all time, just yeah. from a team perspective. And this team is, I mean, they're, they're winning at like a high 40 win pace when Steph's in the lineup they're probably going to end around 500 because he misses games but it's just like a decidedly mediocre team that he's dragging from total garbage to mediocrity yeah I mean I think probably should be in the MVP conversation though that's not what we do uh except if it's except if you average a triple double then I guess we do that maybe but I I don't know um he's been incredible and uh has taken care of his body uh, during the pandemic, uh, pause is wearing a butt pad, uh, and seemingly which is hilarious, by the way, it's because it's so obvious. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is hilarious. He is having this incredible run while wearing a butt pad. Um, it, it, it does remind a little bit of Kobe Bryant, how Kobe's body would be breaking, um, when the Lakers were not so good and he would find ways to shoot with a broken finger and, and everything else. Um, yeah, it's it's difficult to even really give good context for it. I think during the early run with Steph, a lot of it was numerical because he was doing things that nobody else had done before. So right. at least when I, when I was a beat writer back in the day, it was he has made X amount behind twenty five feet. Blah 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 blah. Uh, but the thing with Steph is, you really need the least amount of uh, help to enjoy it. You just watch it. And it, the shot is beautiful. Um, and the creativity, the, and creativity, the way he gets some yeah. of them are just wild. Like the lefty yeah, and one he had yesterday was just silly. Yeah, it was fantastic. And um, he seems a little conscious, conscienceless in this setting, which makes it even more enjoyable. I, I don't have anything smart to say about it other than uh, you hope that they can keep him preserved enough while he's entertaining everybody. I mean, I, this is... One of the, I mean, that game was great, by the way. That was a great game. And the NBA has not had a lot of great games. It was great in part because both teams really wanted to win it. Uh, you can't, you right. can't say that every night. Um, it's not the case when, say, there the was Nets a level or the Clippers of desperation. Are playing. <laughs> yeah. The Nets versus Clippers might be the, the, yeah. I mean, who's even uh, playing the Nets versus Clippers? The low sounds, point or the high point. Sounds yeah. good on paper. And then it's Terrence Mann versus Landry Shannon. And then you actually, yeah. And I, well, it's also yeah. not that fun to watch. I mean, the Clippers objectives just aren't fun. The Nets, I think, are fun when they have guys because they're new, but like, yeah, that style of basketball. Yeah. I, you don't have that. And so that was an ABC primetime game where both teams badly wanted to win there was atmosphere it was back and forth and uh just incredibly entertaining tatum's so much fun to watch too uh so that was that was awesome and the whole time um it's an oddly announced game i would say uh just because uh, i hadn't really sat down and listened uh to one of the abc games in a while and 
a lot of it is Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Getty telling you they're, they're, they're having the sorts of meta conversations that we have on a podcast where we're saying that hey, this guy's they're, underrated they're or podcast. Yeah. They're doing a podcast. <laughs> two hour, two and a half hour. Yeah. Mike Breen is trying to announce the game and Van Gundy and Mark Jackson are doing a podcast where they're talking about uh, who's been underrated or unappreciated and 90% straw man arguments that don't correlate at all to what the actual conversation happening outside that, that announcing is, is it, it's very odd. I wish I could remember some of the examples, uh, some of the examples of it. Um, but they are very pro staff. They were very pro staff in that particular broadcast, uh, Mark Jackson, not all the time, but in that broadcast staff propaganda, I think warriors fans uh, would have probably, uh, <laughs> probably enjoyed it this mark jackson mark jackson sensing that the the fans are turning on steve kerr sees his opportunity <laughs> back in, come back now <laughs> that's good I, <laughs> I i do i do think because there's two ways i want to take this ethan i did read your article about the the ratings i want to go there a little bit not right now but i i'd see the steph kobe stuff is is i think pretty pretty good the similarities are pretty clear there um, in that Kobe got a lot of criticism, um, I think throughout, throughout his career, maybe some of it justified, maybe some of it is not, I think a little bit with Steph, but really, I think the on the floor stuff is, is the best part right now, or the most similar part is that there has to be some way, you know, Kobe got Gasol and he got, he got his guys and he won two more titles, right? Steph mm-hmm. is also at three titles and I, I don't know if they're getting Gasol. Actually, they could. They could get Marcus All, but they do need Not to figure out the, the same. <laughs> yeah. They do need to figure out who else to get him uh, moving forward to get those type the next titles. And and I'm curious your thoughts around that. Like, who can they? What can they do? Because it, it is he is Kobe right now in the, in the season where he had to drag himself and what what did Kobe have? Smush Smush Wanamaker, Smush Mannion, yeah, Smush Wanamaker. You you might have to wait for this playoff. Uh, sequence that pry someone loose from a situation because that is where some of the angst can come from of failure again oh the the bucks again if it goes that way because oh. as much as we talk about we talk about bradley beal but a he hasn't really given much indication that he wants to leave and b right. that's a suboptimal fit i mean maybe you do it because he's so good but you're, you're you have a lot of redundancy and dupe duplication when you're going that's funny i'm saying redundancy and duplication i'm being redundant about the same redundant but you've got clay steph um and bradley beal uh to say nothing about the all-time great jordan Poole, who maybe in a deal like that he's traded i i don't know but that's not the perfect fit that they need so uh it just seems like the guy they would want to trade their young picks for might not be even available even if that's the way to go and you need to wait for that opportunity to open up hmm this kind of takes me to, by the way, that is my biggest thing with, with Ubre. by the way. It's not that I think he's a good fit. It's that they just don't have a lot of NBA players on the roster and they don't have avenues to get him. So like just saying like, eh, just let him walk. Like, okay, use a vet minimum to bring in another Bazemore. Have you really improved the roster? You know, you've improved yeah. the luxury tax. That's for sure. But um, yeah, that is true. They, they do. True. They are kind of stuck in terms of avenues to add players because of the contracts they, they have. They are, but the NBA might be a little bit watered down to the degree that if Clay comes back and he's the Clay of old, 
maybe you're not that far away. You're not going to be favored, but maybe you get one of those Spurs titles where the Spurs were kind of whatever for that season and maybe in the 50-something win range, and then they just outlasted everybody or they came together and played well. Um, you could have that pathway. like that. That is a potential pathway where you're not favored, but maybe you're within striking distance of contention if Clay is good enough. I think I'd agree with that. I, th- I think, I, well, the Nets look like when they're, the Nets do look like that team, that uh, even more so than but the But I will, I will also say, if I had to bet on one team not lasting for multiple years, <laughs> just by nature of the personality. Correct. <laughs> Correct. I mean, you got yeah. your, you got your point guard taking PTO whenever he sees a headline he doesn't <laughs> like, you know, it's kind of. It, he really is the, he really is the one player where they say, we never know when this guy's going to show up and they always beat it metaphorically, but they actually, in Kyrie's case, mean it literally. We literally don't know. It's he may, crazy. he may actually never, you know, not respond to a text and actually show up and score 55 points. Like that's <laughs> not out of the realm of possibilities, which is amazing. And probably also just gives great hairs to everyone yeah. else. Maybe not great for the game. Maybe not great for the game. No, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. If you're if, trying if to, if you want to, if you want to take it to the Steph Kobe comparison, that the biggest reason the comparisons there is because it didn't matter who's on their team. You knew they were going to give you a show worth watching mm-hmm. pretty much every night. And sometimes that show was six for 25 from the field, but, yeah. but it was a, it was an honest six for 25. There was an effort yeah. there. So well, those the, the mad dog had some rant about, some rant about it when he looked at the injury list. And I think he didn't choose the right opportunity because it was a game in which maybe KD missed it. And KD is coming off this devastating injury. And, and James Harden's actually hurt. And yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't maybe the correct opportunity, but it was a kind of Joe sports fan rant of how people off of NBA Twitter regard these things, which is not saying that, Oh, I think it's great that these guys play whenever they feel like it and (laughs) act like the regular season doesn't matter. That's not, that's not a normative take. That's not, that's not a normal take. Um, It is within our community, uh, which is the community that has the platform to talk about the games, but it is not, I think broadly felt. No, you're asking people for time investment. So if they feel like the product they're investing in is not invested, yeah. it's, it's not very complicated. You don't go to a restaurant where the waiter just like doesn't come by your table. You know, <laughs> it's like that kind yeah. of thing. Well, the, the problem is. Or sometimes it, you do, maybe. It's, it's a kind of revealed preference and it's revealed truth about the meaning of the regular season. And I think it's been happening. Maybe it started with the Spurs and their load management, but then it was ratcheted up. I do think that there was a there was a bit of a turning point with the Cavs winning the championship in 2016 because the Warriors had put together the greatest regular season of all time. The Cavs had kind of saved themselves and paced themselves. And when they won it, it didn't really matter to a lot of people. And it, if anything, just served as even greater humiliation that the Warriors had uh, achieved so much that regular season. And I think people do learn the lesson of uh, you're going to look like a sucker acting like these games matter. The problem is those games uh, kind of are a big deal for the NBA product. And yeah, a lot of people in our, in our sphere can say, okay, well, whatever regular season, it's all about the playoffs. If fans aren't engaged in your regular season, they are actually less likely, less likely to come around for the playoffs too. Like you have 
They have developed new habits now. They have started caring about different things now. They're not going to come back for the postseason. I mean, the the interest in the regular season and the postseason are highly correlated. Yeah, you're turning yourself into hockey or baseball, neither of which are models I would advise as as mm. uh, as the way you want your sport to go, where it's like, you know, the Bay Area is heavily engaged because Steph Curry is sure. once every, you know, 20 years you see a player like that cool on one of your local teams but like other markets probably not and nationally i don't think warrior fans give a flying whatever about what's going on like when the nets play the lakers at this point right like it's not drawing the same way like when you and i were kids if the knicks and bulls played neither neither were my team but i had to see it oh yeah i i remember on the west coast how you you might even wake up early uh, to see one of those games or maybe not early, but they would have that football feel that, right. that football feel of I'm waking up, I'm eating my breakfast and it's NBA and NBC, Nick spacers. Um, yeah, that's gone. That that's out of here. I think that's been killed off by a variety of things, but especially load management. And now the NBA is finding a way forward without it. I think also you, you say Nick's Pacers. You don't say Reggie Miller versus X or mm. X versus X. And today, it's implied, but yes. When they, yeah. when they market the game, though, I, I think part of that is at least interesting to me is that they, they'll say it's Luka versus Giannis. Yeah. It's not Bucks versus Mavs. Or it's, they're, it's not, they're, not building, they're not trying to build the brand of the team. Which, um, I don't know if that's right or not, but I just find that interesting. I think it... I don't know if it's right. I think it does have a cost to it is what I would say. I don't know if it's on balance, right? But I do think that there's a cost when you try to make the teams. The the NBA has always been in this different position where it almost doesn't have a history or it acts like it doesn't. Um, Hmm. And these other sports are very invested in the, the NFL, especially is just all about their history and NFL films and the trumpets and the slow motion. The NBA acts like it just arrived here today. And um, I do think that that can become a bit of a bit of an issue. And uh, so with that, it's all about marketing today's player who's right in front of you. Um, And it's not about how this team has some richer grand tradition. And I do think that that's that's become that's become a problem as as time has moved on. And uh, I apparently I just don't see many people talking about it um, outside of outside of Clay Travis or somebody who doesn't appear to like the NBA very much or or wants it kind of to validate uh, his worldview. And I think that there's overlap between his worldview and and the truth in some ways, as far as some, that's, that's the other problem, like pointing out any of the NBA's flaws then aligns you with people you don't want to be aligned with. So it's better to just, it's it's become a neurotic culture war. I mean, I was reading some sports illustrated, uh, some sports illustrated riff on it about how, dishonest people have tried to make it that the NBA has repelled people by being woke. And it's just, this is just, it's just opinion. It's not, it was so defensive. The article I was reading, it was so defensive. It wasn't actually critically analyzing. Okay. Well, is a cohort repelled by this or is it this other thing? Or is it, it's just protect the NBA at all costs. It's the people I don't like are attacking the NBA. Uh, The people I do like, uh, are pro NBA, but not enough to actually watch it. Apparently, if we look at the numbers, but they're pro NBA, they're pro NBA, um, and that is what is guiding this entire conversation. It's not, 
it, it's just not, it's not reality. And I, I get frustrated with it sometimes. I, I'm a sports TV nerd, so I like riffing on it. I know some people don't like to hear it and some people don't like to uh, read about it, but um, the numbers do great. So I, I don't know. I'm just going to keep on going with it. Um, palace, intrigue, palace intrigue always sells. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just um, one version of it. It's this. It's this. It's the other side of the coin where we love to hear about the drama in the locker room. Yeah, yeah. it's it's also just it's a little frustrating because the league, frankly, is so dishonest about it, um, and I think are given a pass for it in a way. Found that, they that fascinating, by the way. If you should, could talk about that. Yeah, they shouldn't be given a pass for this. Uh, they at the beginning of the season, they started pumping out all these stories about how ratings were way way up. And uh, the reason, and I'm trying to, it's the best way I can explain this. The trick they did was this. The season started, as we remember, at a different time. It started later. Um, so what the NBA did, it compared their segment of the season that had opening week and the Christmas Day games against last season segment of the season that had no Christmas day games. And if you know how the NBA works with their TV, uh, the Christmas day games are the most watched games of the regular season by far, you yeah, know, no one wants by to far. Family. Makes sense. Yeah. It's they've done a good job. Congrats to them. They've successfully branded Christmas over the last decade or so 15 years, really. But that, so basically I would say the analogy would be this. It's like if the NFL started the Super Bowl a month earlier and then turned around and said, January, I mean, the, the playoff ratings in January are way, way up. They're way, way up. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Because they had the Super Bowl in January instead of February. That's what the NBA did. All these people ran with it. All these people at respectable media publications ran with it, um, even though it was clear that the Christmas Day ratings were way down. Oh, hi, hi, buddy. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> you want to take your shoes off? Mommy will help you with that. He's in the middle of thrashing the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy will help with that. <laughs> hey, buddy. Um, even your own son's tired of your ratings rants. That's even right. him. Even him. <laughs> We're leaving that. He's in. like, I'm, I'm, I'm Jen, whatever's after Z and Y and everything. <laughs> oh, what? The, yeah, what, yeah, what, what is we, after? Yeah, what are we it? branding post Gen Z? Post Gen Z. <laughs> Just post Gen Z. Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. 
the best golfers sometimes three putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you're coming up short in the bedroom, sometimes it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to roman.com slash light years now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com slash lightyears and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Go to getroman.com slash lightyears and get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. GetRoman.com slash light years. Get started now to save $15 off your first month of treatment. Ethan's great. While while he does that, um, I, I do I do find that I do find that wild. Um, I don't know what to think about that. I don't know what to say about it. I read it and yeah. all I did was laugh. Like I, I yeah. was just I don't know if I well, have a it, it, It's stupid. I I had a friend say to me. I'd be doing the same thing because they're trying to get a new TV contract. Um, and my friend has a podcast and I was saying, no, you wouldn't, you wouldn't you, you, yeah. Who doesn't, you wouldn't be on your podcast saying I get 400,000 downloads a month and just saying that on your podcast, hoping people run with it. That's weird behavior that, that, that is going to get found out by somebody trying to really look through the numbers and it's going to be a bigger headline. Because now I don't know what the ratings are going to be for TNT and ESPN, but for ABC, they're down. And so after presenting to the public that they're way, way up on the basis of ABC ratings on Christmas, no, they're down this season. I don't know what they're going to end at, but they're down. By the way, totally excusable for them to be down. This crazy pandemic season has resulted in nearly every sport taking a hit. Everybody gets that. Everybody understands that. Um, I'm not crushing them for it being down this season, but the problem is that you've now lied and then created a bigger revelation after you lied to everybody. Um, and it just seems to be bizarre behavior for a league that should be looking into how to improve itself and how to get more traction as opposed to let's lie to everybody and hope nobody notices. I, I guess the impact would be the question that I have. It, it it would be what so then what happens? Do they lose money? Is there a TV deal that gets scrapped? CBA people lose jobs. And I, I guess lockout. Yeah, I guess what? Well, the, yeah. the TV the TV deal will go up um, for a variety of reasons. The next TV deal will be bigger than the last one that they signed in 2014 2015, I think anyway. Um, and one of the reasons is actually just that we're going to have inflation in the economy, so <laughs> like money. Money's not going to be worth as much, so uh, the the sticker shock, uh, the sticker shock amount goes up. But it's also that in the streaming world, all these uh, megacorps want to have uh, differentiated products and be the company that has all the differentiated products. So they'll overpay to try to create some kind of monopoly, and so that is good for these sports leagues, and I think has helped them get some some good deals. So the NBA, I think, will its TV deal will go up. It won't be anything near what they could have gotten if they were actually growing. I mean, but they're all going to get rich. They're all going to stay rich. And for that reason, there's just not so much pressure beyond pride, I think, for them to actually fix these issues that might aggravate us. 
Yeah. I mean, it starts with actually acknowledging that it's probably not a good thing that every relevant player sits 20 plus games a year <laughs> and yeah. what that does. But well, to be, to be fair to them, I don't, you think the play in tournament was an attempt to try to fix that? Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I feel like we're getting back to conversations we had like a decade ago, literally like the solution mm. is shorten the season, mm. make the games yeah. matter more play like 55 games or something like that, where it's like, it's like college basketball in the sense of teams care about the regular season games because it affects their ability to get into the tournament. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, there's going to be a certain number of like no show games. That's just the way sports works. But like, you kind of want the intensity you got in the Warriors Celtics last night to be more on the regular than like, Oh wow, we actually got a game where people tried, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's always been the solution um, is to just realize that the season's over long and, uh, it's so funny because they want to learn all these lessons from the NFL and they learn the wrong lessons. Uh, they go, gee, what's making the NFL popular? Do you think that it's um, a scarcity of games on a regular schedule so everybody knows when the games are? <laughs> no, couldn't be that. It's replay review. Everybody knows it's long replay reviews. That is why that's the secret sauce of the NFL. That's why they dominate. That's, that's why, why, why I have an Ed Hockley jersey. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. That's what we, that's what we got to do. Um, that's the idea that we have to steal. And there just is an unwillingness to take the pain, to take the risk. And people go, owners wouldn't want fewer games because it's less money. It's not less money. It's more risk. That's what it is. It's more risk that you would have the fewer games and get the same viewership. Right. But we have an example historically of fewer games, just crazy great viewership. And that was the 2011 lockout. Um, you know, people forget the 2011 lockout. It looked like there might not be a season. There was no real uh, ability to even promote and hype the season to people. Uh, they had all the bad PR of owners and players feuding, something that killed baseball for a long time, by the way. And guess what? It was the most watched season since Michael Jordan. Because I believe, in part, there were fewer games. And that made the individual games uh, more meaningful. We also have fewer games this season, but there are a lot of other factors depressing viewership. So I think that's an example of how if you, if you do shorten the season, you'll make, it, you'll make it up more so on the TV end of things. But as we've said before, these owners are getting paid no matter what. So why are they going to take the risk? Yeah, I mean, and, and if you... And if you want to talk quality of game too, it's like um, you hear people talk about how like there's better coaching if you watch Euro League or some of these other leagues and there's more tactics. Part By the way, that, part of that's because they, they have like four days of practice between games and coaches actually game plan in a way that like, I don't even think that can exist in an NBA season where your off days yeah. are more about treatment. That's than a great point. We're thinking point. about like, well, hmm. the, that's the Australian league operates that way. And it's one of the reasons why it's fun to watch despite the, uh, the, the lack of talent relatively uh, one stat though. Now that I just thought about it on the viewership, because I think this stuff is hard for a lot of people to follow. They've got lives. They're not, you know, ratings nerds. Um, but every ABC game in the 2011 lockout season, every single one, was uh more watched than the uh most watched one this season like every single one 
That wasn't um, the year that they started the prime time, was it? No, they started it far before that. And, I, and I'm excluding Christmas. Like I'm talking about weekend ABC games, like every weekend ABC game in the lockout season in 2011, all of them were more watched than all of the games this season on ABC. So, I mean, I, it's, I'm trying to put that a little bit better. Um, the least watched game in the lockout season was more watched than the most watched game this season. The least watched game was uh, some April Thunder Bulls game that Derrick Rose didn't play in. So it was a nothing game that was more watched than the premier ABC weekend showcase game of Celtics Lakers. It's wild. <laughs> that's, that's, that's absolutely wild. That's yeah. <laughs> Sam's in no words. He's just sitting there. Changing. Yeah. Like, to me, I'm thinking like if last night's game, like if they made last night's game matter twice as much, I mean, I'm yeah. sure a lot of people watch that game, but you think of that game as two games. It'd be insane. It, it just, it, each game matters a lot more. And right now, like, honestly, I'm sitting here and the, some of the Warriors games that goes, I'm like, why am I, what am I even watching? I'm only watching it because we have to do the Warriors are fun to watch. I think the Warriors are a they're little fun to talk about. I think too. Yeah. They're, fun, they're fun to yell about. I, think I was talking about that with Nate Duncan recently about, he was saying, because he would know since he has to watch the entire. Mm-hmm. I find most, most fun to check out, check up on right now. Um, they're probably at the bottom of that list last season, but this season they're they're one of the most compelling. But there are only so many of those teams that you really want to check up on. I want to I want to use this as an opportunity to jump on one thing I wanted to talk about before we got on like a twenty five minute ratings um, combo, <laughs> yeah. which was good, no no problems with it. But um, I feel like everything with the Warrior season is coupled around the fact that the fans know they have something special with Steph, but they also know mm-hmm. he's thirty three. And so there's anxiety of can they can they make one last push at it before, you know, he's proverbially done. He's done yeah. being one of those five or so best players in the league who can really impact a game. And so I wanted to get your thought on this because when everything's going well with the Warriors, it's just puff pieces. And it, mm. there's no amount of like praise to various angles of the organization that can be too much. The fans mm. just eat it all up. When things are stuck like this, I don't think the fans know where to go with it. Oh, and that's led a- to that's led to at times it, you know, everyone being mad at Steve Kerr, at times the front office, times Lakeup, stuff like that. So well, I, I feel as though you guys, more so Andy perhaps, have almost tried to counterbalance the softness of the media coverage that I think in some ways was born out of how this team was just unprecedentedly incredible. And then uh, you fell into a routine. I certainly did. We were looking for everybody like, Oh, Sammy Gelfam with the stats and uh, Oh, Chelsea lane with the massages and Oh, da, 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 da. and it's very <laughs> difficult to know what to do when the team is just average and has a great player, but average. And you know, they're what not, does that mean, and they're not rebuilding. That's the interesting thing. Houston is a much more normal example, you know, they had yeah. their run with James Harden. They never got over the top, but, you know, Harden ass out. They know exactly what they're doing now. Now it's just, you know, race for ping pong balls. Mm. The Warriors are kind of in this weird win while developing phase. And yeah. for most of the year, it's felt like they've done neither. So mm. I, I guess I want to they start have with pool. I, I would say pool developed. Um, you know, you, you got to give them pool, but Wiseman in many ways regressed. And Wiseman yeah, is probably one. the more more important 
just determines so much of uh, so much of everything is the question of Wiseman. I want to ask you this: who's who's most responsible for this win while developing edict? Is this is this Bob, a, Steve, or Joe? I think that's a Joe. I think it's a Joe thing. I mean, they all probably got sick of what it was like last season. <laughs> Does he agree? Does he yeah, agree? Get, get it's him more on it. Get him on the pod. Get him on the pod. Asher, do you want to say something? He's got. He's got to have a take. Ask him if it's Steve Kerr's fault. Ask. <laughs> Asher, do you want to say something about basketball? Basketball. <laughs> you want to say hi? Hi. What's up, Asher? I'm the Marcus. <laughs> I thought he said Marcus. <laughs> can you say? Can you say hi, Sam and Andy? Hi, Sam and Andy. Oh. <laughs> can you say hi, light ears? Hi. Light ears. Okay. Okay, but I'll join you in a few minutes. Okay. <laughs> Baby genius. I guess I guess it's can't awesome. Okay. Oh, man. Okay. I should probably be wrapping up, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think we'll, we'll uh, get him. We'll just get we'll get him out of here now. We'll, we'll just yeah. Get, yeah. <laughs> let's let, let's just complete that thought. So you think win while developing, it it starts from the Lakeups, right? I think Joe. so. Which, you know, maybe that could be praised to a certain extent. Not wanting to do the process thing. Wanting to remain competitive. Wanting to do what Daryl Morey did for so many years. Of just always always putting out a, a, a quality product. Last season accepted. Maybe that's the way to go. But they are stuck on two different timelines. It's almost like they're trying to ski downhill with two different sized skis. And it is a bit tricky. I'd actually be Team Lake up here. You're gonna convert me. I've been slowly turning mm. over a little bit to the uh, to the to, to the Lake Ups because they they seem to care more about winning. So mm. there you go. All right, we'll end it here, Ethan. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> Fun as always, guys. Anytime. Take care. <laughs>